When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. And you're back in the room. The big interview began when Gary Neville and I met to talk about football, but instead started to discuss Richie Benno, the iconic, witty, great Australian cricket commentator who sadly had just died before we met up. Now that we've got Phil on the big interview, the idea seemed logical to start with cricket again, but for a different reason. When Phil was young, he was so good that aged 12, 13, he was mixing it with world-class Australian batsmen and he was facing steaming fast West Indian fast bowlers. To learn that he was extremely good is something. To learn that there was a definite choice to be made between going on to be a professional cricketer and a professional footballer where he was a linchpin in the Alex Ferguson years at Manchester United and a leader at Everton. That was interesting. But to understand that he was captaining a group of men who went on to win the Ashes in 2005 signifies that Phil Neville gave up something very important indeed when he decided to focus on football and not cricket. It's an informative chat with him. I I think it runs in the Neville family that they are clear, they are communicative, passionate, and I think they set an example, truthfully, as do their parents. And that comes out in this podcast. In talking to us, Phil was promoting Class of 92 out of our league The book's out now. The story's extraordinary. Yeah, a group of rich men indulging in a dream. But what happens, what they put into it, what they learn, and the book tells this brilliantly, is for anybody who ever had a dream. That's why it's a must-read. It's a story brilliantly told by the two brothers, Phil and Gary, Nicky Butt, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, and the author, Rob Draper. This is part one of the interview. I think you're going to love this. This is a joy, this is a pleasure, because I feel you're such a busy man that even when we were in Spain together, we snatched a conversation here or there, and Briefly. I'm allowed to say it because it's kind of my, our, my podcast, but I'm, a, I'm an admirer, and therefore if you admire somebody, you want to suck the knowledge and the fun and the, even the piss taken, if you want to have a yeah. go well, out of somebody. So now that we're finally in, in God's own country, not Spain, overlooking the, the, the canal, the Old Trafford in the background, yeah. your hotel... Let's do the not obvious thing, and like we did with your brother, start with cricket, please. Yeah. Um, because um, nobody ever believes a Scots My favourite sport. Well, I, I'm a massive <laughs> cricket fan, and I know you were also very good at it. Yeah. But the book, Class of 92 out of our league, details some outstanding stories. Yeah. People know you could play. But just tell us a little bit, for, for those outside Lancashire, or the north of England, where semi-professional leagues flourish yeah. and teach you, just tell a little bit about your background growing up, your fact that your dad... Mm. was a good cricket player too. How did you and Gary get involved in it and what exactly were they getting you involved in? In in back, what, 30 30 years ago, you could play cricket in the summer 
cricket in the summer, football in the winter, they didn't overlap. So my dad was watch Man United in the winter, play cricket in the summer. And when we say play cricket, he played Saturday, Sunday. We watched under 13, Sunday morning, under 18s, Monday, Wednesday, under 15s, Thursday. Practice nights was Tuesday, Thursday. So it was every night of the week. A real community club feel. It was a community club. My dad worked within the cricket club because it was volunteered along with his other job. My mum did the tees. The tees is when, obviously, one, one side's back, 50 overs. After 50 overs, you have an half an hour break. My mum prepared the sandwiches because she worked as a caterer. So it was all hands on deck. My grandma and granddad, my cousin, my auntie and uncle were all involved in the, in the cricket club. It was, it was sort of like back in those days where there was no nightclubs, no fancy bars. You went to your legion, you went to your social club, you went to your cricket club. And, and ours was Greenmount Creek Club and when people asked me about my success at football cricket was the reason I was successful at football because at 10 years of age 8 years of age I was playing with men cricket is a game where you've got to concentrate cricket's a game where you, you take a lot of hits the fact that I was playing with men and practising with men and mixing with men saw, saw our cricket club had some of the best cricket professionals that you could, you could wish for Mark Taylor I'll tell you who captain the, the best Australian captain yeah. you know alongside Alan Border Jamie, Jamie Siddons who played for Victoria we had Matthew Hayden one of the biggest one of the best. hitters of all yeah, time one of the best who stayed at our house Franklin Stevenson great all West Western you know rounder played for Nottinghamshire scored a thousand runs and a hundred wickets for Nottinghamshire so these were great cricketers in our league in the, in the Lancashire leagues we had all the top Australians you're talking Jeff Lawson Marsh came at yeah. one stage. Shane Warne. Shane Warne came over. The Australians came to England, the War Brothers. The War Brothers played for Edgerton in, in our league. Australians, particularly at cricket, have, have an unbelievable mentality. They're not scared. You know, if they see a bull in front of them, they attack that bull straight away and they take on a challenge. And that attitude, I was brought up with that attitude. You know, Mark Taylor, Matthew Hayden was... You know, there was one day we played a cricket match at Bradshaw. It, it was raining. They'd batted. They'd batted for ages. We got into bat. There was only 15 overs left. We needed 200. And we came in. It was like, nah, game over. And he said, we're going to win this. He went out there. First ball six, second ball four. And it was that attitude of every, anything's possible. And I ended up opening the batting with him. Mark Taylor and his wife, Judy, and the family, still lifelong friends. And you're talking about someone that was a great, great opening batter. You know, not Matthew Aiden, who would go in there, he would concentrate for long hours, he would fight, you know what I mean? And, and the, these were lessons that I learned from professional players, you know what I mean? See, the, the, my mind's already just literally exploding with questions because yeah. before we get to the Australian element in which I'm totally interested, let, let's clear up something that maybe everybody who's experienced the semi-pro leagues that you're talking about know, but the, the rest of the world doesn't. If you were in there batting, you or Gary at, 11, 12, which mm-hmm. is a nonsensical age, 13, 14. Yeah. The guys whose semi-professional living that is, mm. the locals, not the hired guns, they're bowling at you to, to take your wicket. They're, they don't Full, care if, yeah, they, if it's they, whizzing by your head. Or no. There ain't no quarter given, am I right? It's 100% and they want you out just as much as anyone else. They don't come off a short and run. They don't, they don't bowl slower just because it's a young lad. They actually bowl quicker because mm. they don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. And, and the fact is, is that half the time you're probably batting down at number nine half the time you don't get a ball half the time you're fielding down at third man long leg and, and doing the drinks when it's time for drinks you, when somebody scores a 50 you go around with a hat to collect money for the drinks after the game these, these are experiences that I found val- invaluable I, I played against Otis Gibson when I was it says in the book 14 it was actually 11 or 12 
and literally was coming off his full run after two or three balls he came in and just dollared it up and then when you know he couldn't get me out full run bouncing and and you're talking about no helmet you know what I mean you're talking about proper test proper challenge you know what I mean? You have to have your eye in. You've got to be, you know, when to duck, when to move. You, hey, you're also in there to play the ball when you can. You've got to be able to play cricket. Yeah, yeah. You've got to be able to survive. Yeah. And, and, and that is sometimes surviving by hook or crook. That's getting out the way, putting your pad in the way, ducking, verbals, coping with sledging. You know, people say, about five years ago, they said, oh, sledging's unbelievable. Well, come play in the Bolton League when you're 11 year old and they're saying, oh, this little whippersnapper's in. Oh, Did they use the word whippersnapper? Probably not. Yeah. That was, that was what I was. I was, always the, I was always the whippersnapper, you know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> fantastic, fantastic education. And if you think about it, then when you'd go down and play, say, Lancashire under 11s, it, 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 it was like playing with a tennis ball because yeah. it was so easy. Because yeah. you, you was playing Otis Gibson on the Saturday, Sunday, going playing with under 11s, it, it, was like, it was like a stroll in the park. Let me ask something, because you and I have been mired in, in different questions about sporting cultures because you've always yearned to go we'll come to Spain in a minute you've always got you've gone there you've learned a lot you're very passionate in analysing what you saw there and what's maybe gone wrong with our football identity here let's talk about the Australian sporting identity because it probably wasn't simply the cricket that gave you the armoury to become a successful professional footballer it was that Australian sporting mentality one of the things again we've both learned is that the great football coaches that we look at and admire now let's take Guardiola for a moment yeah they're magpies, jackdaws. They steal from other parts of sport all the time. Yeah. And, and wouldn't you agree that in Australia there is a general sporting mentality, irrespective of the event or the mm. discipline, that we could learn from in terms of mental resilience, planning, toughness, teaching kids how to confront well, challenges? The Australians are an unbelievable... They have an unbelievable attitude for me. I'm best friends with Tim Cale. Tim Cale is a prime example of someone that, no disrespect, probably hasn't got that much ability. No disrespect... Is he good on the floor? Is he good technically? No. But I tell you what, he's determined. He's mm-hmm. driven. He's got ambition. Mm-hmm. He fights. He's got the core values. You know, the best coaches in life, I always think, are your parents. Mm-hmm. They're the best coaches in your life. And they instill the foundations in your life. I think Australians have got the foundations that my parents had. Yeah. You know, the hard work, the attitude, the discipline, the characters, the, the professionalism, the will to win, the, the will to succeed. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. All those powerful words that you see on dressing rooms nowadays that I think are a lot of rubbish. You try and manufacture discipline and all that rubbish. No, that's, in, that's ingrained in your stomach, that. That's yeah. ingrained in your stomach. And Australians have it ingrained in their culture, not just in one or two people, in their culture. It's everywhere around you. If your everywhere. parents aren't sporting, but you are, your neighbour, your brother, the guy in the shop, everybody will be on you about it, victory. It, I, I always say it's, don't want to sound disrespectful, but... Kick your granny, kick your granny yeah. to get that goal, kick yeah. your granny to win a game. You know, they have that, I'm going to win, and it's win at all costs. You know what I mean? And it's not by cheating, no. it's just win, win. And the likes of Pep and Jose and Klopp, Allegri at Juventus, you know, these, these have that feeling. It doesn't matter what front of house face you see, no. or the jokes, or the style, no. or the elegance. No. In behind, it's win Still. at any cost win. other than cheating. Win. I mean, you yeah. see Jose this year. What's he done at Man United? I've seen so far. Forget what's gone on the field. One is brought winners into the football club. Yep. Ibrahimovic wants to win, not only on the field, he wants to win in training, he wants to win off the pitch, he wants to be the best. Man United are one of the best they need to win. Jose now speaks 
like a winner. He looks like a winner. Mm -hmm. He speaks, we want to win. First day in the club, I want to win all four trophies. This club, you've got to dream the unexpected. The fans want to be excited. They want to win. Mm -hmm. Jose wants to win. And and by talking like a champion, that spreads to the culture of the football club. And that's the biggest thing that he's changed so far. Because we're going to come back to football. Where has cricket given you, apart from that foundation, the greatest joy? Mm. 2005, that extraordinary Ashes series. Have you ever... Lancashire? Because presumably you grew up in Wazimakram, Atherton, Fairbrother times... Jesus, as we say in Spain. Jesus, Jesus. Yes. No, no, well, when's it giving you your greatest joy apart from playing? The Ashes were fantastic. But in terms of my own personal, I captained England at 15. Uh, I captained England at 15. I captained England at 14. I was playing cricket for England against West Indies. I had to miss the third test to go and have a trial for England at football. And then after my trial for England at football, I went back to play the fourth and fifth test against West Indies. And I did not want to leave and miss the second test. I went to the football. I remember it so vividly. It was, it was an unbelievable experience. It was at Warwick University. My dad dropped me off. I was there for five days. I cried my eyes out every day. My dad came down on the third day because I'd rung my mum and said, I want to go and play cricket. Yeah. And my dad turned up. He said, look, I think you should stay and see out the week. You know, you... you it's an unbelievable opportunity in three months time you're going to be playing at Wembley for England schoolboys mm-hmm. and if you leave now you might forgo that opportunity I stayed cried the rest of the week he picked me up on the Friday night we went straight down to Peterborough to Arundel played against West Indies the day after at that moment in time cricket was my only sport cricket was my only sport because socially I met so many nice people mm-hmm. it had a different feeling than fo- football it's 90 minutes you go off home with your parents Cricket was... It's much more inter- integration. Integration, no. It's eight hours in the day. Yeah. It's family-orientated. People, my, all my family was sitting around the edge. Afterwards, you'd stay overnight in a hotel. You'd be in Somerset. You'd be in Newcastle. You'd be in Darlington. I met so many great you people. You learn your country as well, don't you? you? The beauty of the country, the different accents, the different attitudes around the country. That's something that I think... Because you would go into a professional career where you, no matter where you've stopped off, you've got no time in Istanbul or Rio or whatever. Education-wise, my parents had to go in and see the teachers because they were worried I was missing a lot of school. And my father, who was against me giving up cricket to, to have more school. My mum was already needs an education. We said, mm-hmm. look, he's getting an education by travelling throughout the country. He's meeting different people socially. He's living life experiences that will stand him in good stead. And to be fair to the geography teacher, I, I got an A in geography, purely and simply because I travelled the world and I knew countries, I knew capitals. I was the best at locating places. So it was an education as well. And, but socially, cricket gave me far more than football. The, the players were nicer. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. play cricket after game, forget. Football, there's hatred. And at the time, I'd, I'd preferred the, uh, the cricket. What happened? You can't leave our audience hanging. What happened in the Ashes, in the, in the Junior Ashes? You, you go to Peterborough, what stage was the Test Series at well, when you go we, we were down one, to Arundel? We were 1-0 up. They lost when I went away, and, and we ended up winning the Ashes Series. West Indies weren't great. West Indies were no different than the senior West Indian team. Unbelievable ability, no technique. Went in there, tried to hit the first ball for six. The fastest opening ball would try and bounce you and knock your head off first ball. It was that type. Nobody wore a helmet, nobody wore a thigh guard. They were just fantastic, natural cricketers. But at that age, no direction, no teamwork, no field settings. You know what I mean? We were a lot more... We had a good team. We had Flintoff, Chilton, 
Solanke, who played for Warwickshire. Oh, we had yeah. Colin Vikram, Moore, no? Vikram Solanke, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Collingwood. Oh, God. Uh, we, we, we had a fantastic team who, five or six, went on to play county cricket. We're not going to get mean? football fitted in here. No. What did Neville, why did Neville, when it comes to going to Warwickshire, Warwick, to do the England trial, when you're, you're captain yeah. England at cricket, why did he say, no, take one of the tests off, go and play football? What was governing his logic that rather than, geez, if you're in that company, yeah. if, if things go to plan, yeah. you're winning the Ashes in 2005. It, well, in all honesty. Yeah, no, well, because my dad thought I could do both. My dad was unbelievable. He, he, he would take everything on. Let's do everything. You know, play cricket in the summer for England, play football in the winter. So he knew I was good at both of them and he did not want me to give up anything. And that's what he's been like with us all our life. No, do it all. Do it all. And then when, when you're 60-odd, sit back and say, I did everything. Yeah. No regrets. You know, and that's what he said that week. He said, look, I can take you home now. I said, because if I don't take you home, your mum will divorce me. <laughs> so I said, he said, but I've been speaking to Gary and he thinks you should stay. I said, yeah, he would. He's at home. He's at home having hot pot. Do you know what I mean? But, King of the castle. Yeah, the he said, we think you should stay. It was one of those moments I never forget. I was, in, I was sat in a dormitory in Warwick University and I just cried my eyes out for five days. I actually played well at the football. I just wanted to be my mates playing cricket. I was an opening batter. I was, that was my destiny. You said it when we were chatting there, my favourite sport. It's a hell of a statement. It's, it's a hell of a statement. Given what you've done for football and what football's given true. you. Yeah. The, 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 the biggest turning point was actually three months later, after making my England debut at cricket with maybe 100 people on. I then went out, I walked out at Wembley and there was 80,000 on. That was like a wow moment. That was a life-changing moment of, this is special. Cricket was my love, but the, this is like, <laughs> it's like a supermodel list. This is special. And 80,000 people twice in the space of three months played uh, Italy. Totti played for Italy, played against Holland, but Bolo Zenden played for Holland. 80,000 both times and never looked back football. What impacted you about so many people? The pressure, the fact that it's big stage and I can handle it. Yeah. What, what, what was the... I actually, my England debut at cricket was probably one of my, my, my lowest moments because it was, is this, is this it? This, playing for England's better than this. 100 people, yeah. families. Yeah. Uh, Gloucester, Sirencester, beautiful setting, but Wembley was, I like a bit of this. <laughs> this is me. You know, you I, want, I, want more, I want more of this. I want, this is the big time, this. This is live on ITV, you know, this is interviews before the game. This was cameras uh, training. This was like the big time. You know, and, and, and things like that have stayed with me. And that gives you confidence because when, when you play for a club like this, players come here, walk out there and think, get this 90 minutes over and get me out of here. Where the players that have stayed here for a long time or players that come here and play for other teams that play well are those that walk out and say, I'll have a bit of this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, let me, you've, you've bridged, let me make the comparison, then, Phil, because in the class of 92 out of our league... You um, talk about seeing Valencia kids from the academy, yeah, including your son, who travel to, to away games on a five, six, seven-hour bus journey, whereas elite youth at United would probably be jetted somewhere or a train, right, you train, say in the book, or whatever. And you said, this is good. They're sharing time together. The length of a day that equates to a cricket day rather than 90 minutes and shower and then home and gone. They're doing the homework on the bus. You, you said... That's good. This is what the, we did as kids. Well, let's start with the Valencia experience. What is it that, you're, that, that you were trying to express about what, in that aspect of the youth academy and the football development in Spain that you liked? That aspect about the union. and Like, for example, I'm, I'm fishing for the fact that when I was at a, uh, an Aspire conference in November in Berlin, Tuchel, the Dortmund coach, stood up and he said, I'm famous. I've got this job. I've got the Dortmund job. Because of my youth development, I became famous, I went to Mainz. And he said, when I was in charge of youth football, I was always knocking on the door and I was angry. Give my kids, these are elite kids, the future of the club, give them the best boots, the best treatment, give them the best buses, make sure the pitches are absolutely... And he said it, they stood up in front of them and it was only a football audience, about 80 elite clubs around. He said, that that was wrong. He said, this system, that idea that I was a mainstay of, and this is a young man, he's, he's what is he, 40 at best. Mm-hmm. He said, this is developing kids who all know how to pass the ball beautifully on a, on a velvet surface, mm-hmm. and, but they can't problem solve. If they're one-on-one with a player who's giving them a bit of... It's not real life. It's not real life. So It's not real life. That's I, what I'm fishing for. It's not it, real life. It's one of the dangers that you don't go through at youth development level. Either the Otis Gibson moment or the yeah. broken down boss moment or the... I, I did a talk today for uh, pro-licensed coaches, for academy pro-licensed mm-hmm. coaches. We talked about taking people out of their comfort zones. Mm-hmm. That moment when your belly is twitching, you've got butterflies in your belly, the, belly, the, the feeling you don't like, yeah. but actually the feeling that will improve you, the feeling that you actually want afterwards. You walk out of Old Trafford and you think, is it enjoyable? No, but afterwards you think, I want that again. I want that feeling. You know, when I got to about 30, 32 and football became just like, not easy, but I was relaxed. I missed that. And then, then the big games come around and I got that feeling. Oh, that feeling came back. I want that again. I want that again. I take the experience in Spain because it's real life. Traveling six hours down to uh, Mojaca, going up from Bilbao, travel 13 hours from Bilbao all the way down to Almeria. My son was going, Dad, Dad, six hours on a bus. Brilliant. Do you know what you'll do? You'll make friends for life. Do your homework, revise your Spanish, watch a film, spirit on the bus, stop, go to the service station. Mummy and daddy want me there to buy you 20 euros, go and buy you a bocadillo, go and buy you a cafe latte, do what you want. Mummy and daddy are not there with you. Go into the hotel, six in a bedroom. Daddy, daddy, I've got six in my dormitory. Fantastic. But we'll not sleep tonight, even better, because tomorrow you'll have to play tired. And that'll toughen you up. Yeah. And what that'll do the, the night after, you'll always think... We don't feel good today, so tonight we'll go to bed early. You're learning. <laughs> You're learning, because that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I went to Lillyshaw for an England cricket, and, and me and all the cricketers, we were running around uh, Lillyshaw at 14.15 at night, and we were playing games and playing knock-a-door run, and the teachers didn't know what was going on. And the next day, 
we, we were all rubbish. We were all absolutely rubbish. And then the day, night after that, we all went to bed at nine o'clock because hmm. we learned that that's the way not to prepare. Mm-hmm. But we learned it ourselves. We didn't have some E triple P telling us how to be, how to act, how to pass, how to. No, you learn yourself sometimes. And that's when, when the big moments come, you don't look over to the side. Look for somebody to do solve the problem for you. You know how to solve the problem because we learnt over experiences in our childhood that meant when it came to the big moments of pressure, we could handle and solve those problems ourselves and not look over to the side and think, right, what do we do now? No, we just reacted and did it. Which is partly presumably why um, there was a day, there were many days, many years, decades, when players from, whether it be England, Scotland, Ireland, or eventually from Argentina, whatever, who'd had nothing to begin with. Whose, oh. whose lives were, were genuinely tough. They valued every experience. They were tough. They'd had to yeah. live through situations that neither you nor I nor, nor Martin or most of the people listening to about to live to. Now, that, that's maybe going because society's changing. You see in Barcelona's team, Suarez knows both sides of the street. He you know, knows exactly what Mascherano does too. Okay. If you look at world football now, and because there are not that many, you can actually pick out those ones that you think they're street footballers. Yeah. They've come up the hard way. They've actually done it. And I use the example at Everton of Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman played for Cole Ramblers in, in Ireland. Roy's team, yeah. Roy's old team. Yeah, I think it was Cole Ramblers. Check that out. But I think it was a yeah, team okay. in Ireland, £60,000 bought. Didn't go through the academy system. Came in, scruffy tracksuit, say, not a matching, no, no flashy trainers. Came in, he had hunger. He would run through that brick wall. Mm-hmm. And did he have the best ability to start? No, but he had more determination. Now, probably one of the best fullbacks in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Now captain in Republic of Ireland in the European Championships. He had the younger, and Suarez has it, street footballer. Slatan. Sanchez. Sanchez at Arsenal. Alexis is quite Alexis, at 100%. Alexis Chamber. You can tell he runs and he runs and he plays in every game. He never gets injured. I say he never gets injured. Yeah, yeah, I He plays with injuries. You won't be living off saying, no, oh, I don't fancy this thing because I've got a twin. No, what, that's he plays. what you're talking about. He plays. He do not need four weeks off in the summer. He comes Shh. back after three weeks. John Terry lasted the old. Jamie Carragher had it. You know, you, you see characters that. Phew, and, and I worked at Valencia, and you, more often than not, the Argentinians have it in abundance. Almost always, yeah. yeah. Because they've been street players, they've been street fighters, they've had to fight for everything. The, the, the Africans have a little bit of it as well, you know, that come over. And uh, the biggest challenge for me as a parent with my son is trying to install some of that into him because I want to give my son more than what my dad gave me. Mm-hmm. My dad wanted to give me more than what his dad gave yeah. me. You always want better for yeah, your children, but you also, the core values, everything... Must, must be the same and, and that's why I love that the, the Dortmund coach is exactly right and I said the same to the academy guys this morning you have to take your academy players totally out of their comfort zone more than they've ever been done in their life if you're going to produce because they said well, how do you produce characters nowadays well yeah. if you don't take them out of the comfort zone you're going to produce all the same types of characters take them out of the comfort that's zone it. make them go and play Prescott away on a Tuesday night on a friendly in, in the changing rooms or Salford City you know we've had players from Blackburn come down to us it's a culture shock. Mm-hmm. They don't like it. But I tell you what, there was one lad stayed with us for one month and then he begged his coach at Blackburn, I want to stay for another month. Then he mm-hmm. begged his coach and his dad was behind him, you're staying because this is better for you than playing under 21 football. It's Salford he's playing for. Salford played for yeah. Salford, Lewis yeah. Hardcastle. And, and I, think, I think now we've got a challenge to push our children out of their comfort zones. Then let me ask you what I hope is a difficult question, but <clears throat> one that you're almost uniquely able to get balance to. In a, in a previous interview in this series, I'd phoned Tim Sherwood up to ask him about Damien Duff as a kid at Blackburn. Mm. And Tim said, unbelievable. Fantastic attitude. He was horrible to play against as a kid. We kicked lumps out of him in training. Yeah. 
but marvellous. Got back up, did this again, all that. I've sat down with Damon a day later in Dublin. For all that he's a nice, articulate, funny uh, guy who we adore. That, that experience he talked about, and he went into detail about what happened to them. He said, you'd be put in prison now for what, what happened to us yeah. in football. And I remember reading, um, Gary's book was pretty firm about what went on to apprentices yeah. at, at, yeah. at United. Now, I, I'm sure that what we've been talking about isn't you saying, I'll vouch for all of that, that we went through, it should all be happening. Some of it probably shouldn't. No. But you went through things then, the group of you that are now the class of 92, and others who maybe failed or didn't yeah. fail. When you look back at that experience, was some of it now acceptable? Do we have no. to abandon some of the things that we say you can't treat kids like that because it's helped make all of you what you are today sitting in this room with this hotel and Salford and your experience? Mm. Do, you, do you know what I'm asking? I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish half the stuff that we had to put it with for my son. I don't want it for my son because a lot of it was wrong. A lot of it was bordering on maybe abuse. We were tested mentally right to the maximum. There are ways of doing that without it going over the top, the boxing matches, you know, I'm not into all that, you know, you, you can, my first day at Man United, every first team player, my heroes were in a dressing room, and I had to stand up on a table mm -hmm. and chat for four or five minutes. Mm -hmm. That is probably one of the toughest things I've ever done. At 16, Scary. scared stiff, shaking, yeah. Yeah. close to tears, probably. Yeah. There, were, there, were, there were tears somewhere in there yeah. that you stood up on the table, you introduce yourself, you say who your favourite player is, you go around the dressing room and, and say to a first team player how he thinks he can improve his game. These were tests. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was one of the challenges, to actually, in front of the dressing room, go to a player, an established first team player, and tell him how he might improve his game. Definitely. Unbelievable. Brilliant. You know. You see, that's not abuse. That's a very nice challenge for that, your vision, your bollocks. And, and in my philosophy nowadays, I'm saying... I, went, I took the Valencia under-13s out for... Uh, they'd won a competition, I took them out for a meal. Took them to the equivalent of a TGI's in, in, mm -hmm. in Valencia. Every single one of them, I got up to the front and I made them speak English. At the start, nobody wanted to do it. Then mm -hmm. after a bit, went, the first one that came up, I thought, right, I'll get the, I'll get the young shy boy up first. Because once he's done it, they'll all follow. Because the cocky kids wanted to get off, so you sit down, we're, we're saving you for last. <laughs> so the young shy boy came up and he didn't want to come. He, was, he felt like me. Yeah. And, I, and I said to him, I'm going to help you. So just stick with I me. And he trusted me. Yeah. So I took him up there. I told him what to say. I had my arm around him. And I cajoled him into saying what he said. The rest followed. He came to my son. He had to get up there and speak in Spanish. My son wouldn't do it. Right? My son wouldn't do it. He, he was like, no, 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 daddy. No, no, daddy. No, daddy. I said, if you don't do it, you'll feel so let down in yourself afterwards when you go old. That's true. That, that you'll feel disappointed. He got up there with another Spanish guy because I'm not into bullying because you know I, 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 I got up with another Spanish boy the Spanish boy interpreted from his son who then spoke in Spanish he got up there afterwards he said thanks for that daddy thanks mm. for making me do that because I'm now part of the team yeah. and I would take kids I would make them do warm ups themselves I would make them present to the team I would make them do things why can't a kid at Valencia at 16 year old why can't he one day a week go and work in the offices in the ticket office why can't he you're not allowed to in England but why why can't we in England Part of life's education. Mm -hmm. I played cricket. That was an education that helped me become a cricketer. But it stops you being in a bubble because you'll see a lot of kids now, particularly kids of talent, because there's such a there's a dearth of kids of real talent that if we get them now in this country particularly, it, they've got an agent. They're going to be earning a lot of money very quickly, and if they do anything in their first year and a half, they're going to be earning even more money. 
They've never touched. The money is the money is an excuse, Graham. The money is an excuse for lazy coaching, no, lazy I agree. management. But all I'm saying is they're never going to be forced to go and work to learn what it is no. to turn up on time, to do a seven-hour shift, an eight-hour shift, to do a split shift in a cafe or a restaurant like you've had the equivalents. He and I would do. You know, you work till two in the morning. You do a split shift. You work with customers, and it can be after games. Brilliant, but it can be a piece of shit. After as well. games here, every three games, two of us had to stay behind till. 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, sweep the dressing room, sweep the showers, yeah. clean all the boots, go back to the training ground with Norm and the kit man, and then, oh, just go home. How? Bus, walk, taxi, not my problem. Yeah. But learn your independence. Learn your independence. Learn, learn that they're actually... And then the next day, I thought, there's a sense of achievement here. I've cleaned Brian Robson's boots. That was my goal. I wanted to... I cleaned his boots, then I wanted to be like him. Then I wanted to play with him. And that, that is your goal. That is your goal in life. And it's not the kids' fault that they earn all this money. It's, it's the people that are giving it. Though. Yeah. It's the system, the society that we're in. But it's the coaches at the end of the day. Coaches this morning, ah, but they all get too much too soon. They all, well, what do you do about it? 17-year-old, I got a club car. Folks can give me a club car at 17. Yeah. Didn't matter one bit. Because the next day, he still killed me every day in training. He still tested me. Do you know what I mean? And the difference is, you've already said it, your parents had already been your best Sports coaches, life coaches. So if you're given a car at 17 or whatever, and everybody's allowed to be a bit chulo for a day, yeah. even you guys, you can have a day of being chulo. Hey. But you'd have got over it whether he did or didn't hammer you because of your, because of the we right have, stuff that you've got. We all have got. moments when you need a clip. Yeah, of course, and that, which is also part of the training. But what I think some people will be arguing in sport right now, football right now, is that many of the kids coming through aren't getting that upbringing. They're certainly not getting the same excellence of upbringing as you and I Gary think, and I think they're getting the Tracy upbringing, Graham. I just, think, I just think the parents are brainwashed just as much as the players nowadays. In fact, even more. That's right. I see it. So if you take that level of training out of the kids when they're 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, then how are they going to know for themselves not to get carried away, not to accept the bubble, not to be looking for money all the time. I, I, I see what you're saying. It's an excuse for the coach in saying, England, oh, they're rich, but they don't have the same core values. But in England, clubs have more contact now and time with the players sometimes than the parents do because they're at the club yeah. longer. Yeah. So actually, the, the, the clubs have, a, have an obligation to actually... So they must adapt to what they're they teaching, must. how well they're teaching, they must. what they, they, things they're, they're teaching. A family. They, they, they're, okay. they're shaping a boy's life. I say, the first thing I say, and my son absolutely hates it, when I went into high school, my dad took me in one day and he said to the head teacher, any problems from him, you've got my permission to give him a belt. And you know what? If he comes home and tells me, I'll give him a belt too. <laughs> so every time I go to see uh, Harvey's coach at... Valencia or was it Man City I say run his balls off him yeah. be harder than him than anyone else yeah. kick him up the backside yeah. and if he gives you any lip you've got my permission to discipline him and my son's looking at me saying daddy what are you saying all that for I said because he's like your second father I need to trust that man to do what I do at home yeah. and it, it, it always makes sure that my son has respect for the coach and that he does everything he's asked there you go the Big Interview is produced by Backpage and by me, Graham Hunter. Thanks as always to Beer Jacket for the music. Please don't really keep up to date with everything that we're doing at grahamhunter.tv. But sign up. It's free. There's a little box for your email address and it means that you won't miss an episode. Never mind all the podcast apps that you've got. I'm undercast, overcast, wombling free, whatever it might be. Sign up with us and we send you the podcast every time it comes out. And we tell you about little pieces of news and we allow you to get your questions to us for the guests as we announce them. There's a newsletter. It'll keep you informed with everything that the Big Interview is doing. We're on Facebook. Look for The Big Interview. We're at GH Podcast 
on Twitter and Instagram. Please keep in touch. Let us know what you think. We do this for you, not just for ourselves, although, damn it, we do enjoy it. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Thanks for being there. Bye.